Hi, everyone, and welcome to our podcast called What Feels Most True. I'm Rachel, yoga studio owner, teacher, trainer, and coach. And I'm Mel, licensed counselor, yoga teacher, and we're here to share with you heartfelt and sometimes silly conversations about what feels most true to us in this moment. We are sisters committed to our own paths of growth, understanding, and compassion, and we hope to provide you with a perspective of both empathy and empowerment. We're giving you permission now to step into more joy, to allow your life to be fluid and always up for reconsideration. Remember, what feels most true can be lifelong and ever-changing. everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Today's topic that we chose was empathy and empowerment. So we'll just be diving right in talking to you guys about what that means to us, how it's shown up in our lives, how it shows up in our career fields, etc. So um, you guys probably know me a little bit by now. When we kind of talked about this topic, I knew immediately I was like, I need to define those words. I, well, first of all, what's funny is I totally blanked, you know, even as a therapist, I was sitting there like, I don't know what empathy is. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Empowerment who? So, <laughs> I jump on old Miriam Webster and, uh, <laughs> and had to look up the definitions, but so for empathy, what online said is the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. Then I remembered what it meant. And then empowerment. (laughs) (laughs) And then I said, oh yeah. And then empowerment is authority or power given to someone to do something. Um, So I figured I'd just jump right in now and talk a little bit. I mean, hearing both of those, I immediately went to therapy. Obviously I can draw a lot of connections to therapy. It's how I spend a lot of my time, but um, I think from a therapeutic standpoint, I have found that empathy is the foundation for empowerment. So without empathy, there's no trust. And I believe to feel empowered by another person or to be alongside someone in their journey to self-empowerment, there's got to be some trust there. Um, so I guess from a therapeutic standpoint, that looks like for a long time, other therapists, if you work in the mental health field, you'll know this, but we spend a lot of time, what we call building rapport with people. So just getting to know them, you know, it looks like shooting the breeze. A lot of the times, um, asking about their family, asking who people are in their life that are important to them and what are their names and, um, talk to me about how you got here, family history, career. So really just building trust over time. And then as they start to share more pieces of sensitive information, replying to the, you know, those conversations and holding space in a way that they feel safe, that they feel non-judged, that they feel like, you know, heard and understood by you, at least to some extent. So, um, I think it happens over time. And then once that empathy and that foundation of trust is built, which sometimes takes a really long time, other times, you know, it's just so individual and it's neither is right or wrong. Sometimes people are way quicker to open up and I know, okay, I can challenge them a little bit more. I can um, challenge them to see their own strengths, gifts, skills, et cetera, so that they can be empowered to make change, or I can give them kind of a swift kick in the butt and be like, 
actually, do you know that that's true? You know, when someone will share a thought with me or an idea that might be negative or self-deprecating or whatever it is. So um, I, you know, Rach had this idea for the podcast, Empathy and Empowerment. So I immediately connected it to therapy in that way. So, yeah, I love that. And I think it might be cool to even, I mean, obviously the way in which you touched on it in a therapy session is also extremely applicable for all of us in Mm -hmm. our day-to-day relating with people. And I know one major overarching theme for this podcast is definitely empathy. And we hope that these conversations feel full of empathy and in what we both do, uh, we definitely hope that we're providing a lot of empathy for our students, our clients, our friends, whatever. But um, like considering how this plays out day to day, I mean, I think it's kind of cool to think about like, how can I get better at empathy? And one of the ways that we practice this from a yoga sphere is like what you mentioned, actually listening to people, (laughs) listening to know and understand better because Mm -hmm. all of us get really easily wrapped up in listening from our own lens and our own background and our own point of view and what we currently believe is in quotations, right. And when we operate from that place, it's really hard to connect with empathy. It's really hard to connect with, um, someone else and the consideration that they have a different lens and a different background and a different perspective. And so I think a huge part of empathy is getting better at listening, which doesn't mean just standing, just sitting or standing there with no one home behind the eyes. (laughs) No signs of life, baby. (laughs) But it means, it means really listening to understand what the, what the person is saying, period, without any response necessary from you, you know, um, it's like listening is one major thing. What would you say is another like key part of empathy in just our day-to-day relating with people? Yeah. A couple thoughts come to mind. The first thing that I was thinking of that came to mind as you were talking is I actually learned this from Glennon Doyle. I think As someone sharing something with us, I totally do this. This is something I am actively working on. So if you do this, please don't feel called out or do, and then make, we can make a change together. But it's saying, I literally can't imagine. And she says, like, I want you to imagine. And I think the intention behind that, when I say it is to validate someone's experience being so intense and acknowledging that I've not been there. In that I cannot imagine to, and so it's in my attempt to validate, like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe that you're you have experienced this thing and I don't understand. But instead of saying that, which I should, I say I can't imagine. And so Glennon has challenged me by she's saying, imagine, please imagine it. 
Um, and I think that's what empathy is, is please imagine this. So like when someone tells you they've gone through, let's say a miscarriage and they're sharing about their loss and let's pretend, you know, you don't have kids, you don't want kids. You sit there and imagine feeling really excited for something and then having that excitement taken away from you, thinking through like, what would that feel like to be, to start planning and then have that plan thrown out the window? Like, please imagine. So I think just giving yourself a pause and a chance to imagine, even if it's not pleasant, especially if it's not freaking pleasant, like, please do that. Um, I think that's what empathy is. And then what another thing that I learned in grad school is basically sometimes it feels like parroting it back to them. Like when someone shares with you, you might say like, I heard you say that you're feeling frustrated because you had plans this weekend and then your plans got canceled. So it's really parroting back to them what they're saying. And uh, we learned this really basic formula in grad school, take what you need from it, but it was, you feel blank because blank. So it might be, you feel frustrated because you're really looking forward to that. And now it's not happening. And a lot of times you'll be surprised. You feel weird saying it. And then people will typically be like, yeah, uh huh, you're right. You know, and you can't believe that this actually worked, you know, but it, it does. And it really helps people feel heard. So those are just two ways to maybe practice empathy um, from my end. What, what are your thoughts? I know you defined it for yourself too. So I'd love to hear how you practice it, how you specifically define it. Anything yeah. Well, I love that because, and like what you said about parroting or like I'll refer to it as mirroring back to people. Oh, yeah. What's word. cool about that is sometimes consciously people really don't even know what they're expressing or trying to communicate. They're just like getting it off their chest. But when it's mirrored back to you, you actually receive clarity a lot of the time. You're like, oh yeah, like that is how I'm feeling. That is what I'm trying to say. And like, it's not until somebody's really listening in a way that they are capable of mirroring back to you what you just said. Like that's real connection and, and Mm -hmm. that's real understanding. And it provides people with a lot of clarity. Um, So I I love that. And, and it's a really, really, really huge piece of, of having empathy. And I loved what you said about trying to reframe our responses in a way to be like, I can imagine that. And I feel so hurt and sad for you and I feel you and I see you. And yeah. So I think a huge part is language matters, language matters, um, especially when it comes to empathy and To me, at the end of the day, empathy is validation. Mm. And there's literally like no better feeling, I think, or few better feelings than validation, than having somebody say like, you are so valid in your hurt. You are so valid in your sadness. You are so valid in your grief or whatever, or you're so valid in your joy or your excitement or your confidence. Like, uh, to me, um, empathy is a huge source of validation for people. I love that. I absolutely love that. And you know, a thought I just had, as you were talking, I'm like, I think 
I definitely, we've shared this on other podcasts, but it's something I struggle with for one reason or another. It's the ickiest, one of the ickiest parts, not parts of me, but thing that I experience is victimhood. I love at times, I don't love, but I fall into victimhood or martyrdom and I'm like, oh, pity me, you know, like, and it's very subconscious. But I think when you look at that, I'm really just looking for someone to validate me. I want someone to say, I get that your career is really hard and like being a therapist sucks sometimes. Like, can you tell me more about it? Or like, yeah, it must not be fun to be with the dog all day or like, et cetera. When you look at, so maybe if you're a person like me, who you sometimes like want, gosh, what pity, whatever it is you're looking for, it maybe you too are also really just looking for validation. So potentially your usage of empathy can help, can really help other people, A, get out of their own way, can help you get out of your own way. Cause I mean, empathy can be self-sourced as well. You know, like we absolutely ourselves and see our own experience, but that was just a thought that I had. Absolutely. I think that's huge. And, and I think that, that I'll call it an archetype or that energy of victim is present in everyone. It's more apparent in some people than others, but everyone has the shadowy side of the victim. And I love what you just said, because that's exactly it. If, if you're around people that are family or friends that you know you can't just like shut out of your life or that you shouldn't just shut out of your life. Like if you want to help them potentially like exit out of the victim Mm -hmm. and maybe enter more into the creator archetype or the creator energy, like the quickest thing that you could do for them is to like validate where they are. I mean, you brought up the miscarriage example. And many of you may or may not know, like I had a miscarriage last winter Mm -hmm. and so many people were just like there for me and validated the grief and validated the sadness. And, and that more than anything, I think really helped to, cause I, for sure, like rightfully so had a period of time where I was just living in my victim. And that's a part of the healthy grieving process. If you're, if you're skipping that part, you're probably not being honest about the bitterness and the resentment and the why me and, you know, everything that comes along with uh, deep loss. And there were thankfully not too many responses that were invalidating, but like, just as, as an example, like, Uh, I had one person say like, oh my gosh, that's so common when I said like I had a miscarriage (laughs) and all of you potentially listening, maybe just cringed like Mel did. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, you know, that's an example of lacking empathy because not only did they didn't put themselves, they did not put themselves in my shoes and how I was feeling, but they, they're. Mm -hmm. What's important is that their intention was to make me feel better. And yeah, sure. And an underlying probably subconscious intention of um fixing me, like mm-hmm. fixing my sadness or encouraging me to keep moving forward or to try again or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so like when we get it wrong in this world of empathy, 
it's not because people just suck because I don't, I think most people are actually really good and have really good intentions and really good hearts and just want to make us feel better and just want to make us feel loved. But what's so important about empathy is like its impact and, Mm -hmm. and you, you want to make sure that like a, a key indicator of empathy is, are you responding in a way that repeats back to them, like AKA mirrors or parrots back to them? Or are you feeling uncomfortable with their state? And are you trying to fix them? And, you know, Mm -hmm. there's like, we all, we've all done it. We've all tried to make somebody feel better that we loved. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's with the best of intentions, but Mm -hmm. it is really important to note that, um, your language really matters when it comes to empathy and, and the focus needs to remain on the other person and imagining like Mel said, imagining yourself in their shoes and not yourself in your shoes, trying to make them feel better. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And please, for the love of God, when someone is sharing something difficult, don't say, don't go into your own story. Mm-hmm. There's a place for that, but maybe it's in five minutes after you mm-hmm. really hold space for that person. And then you might drop in the conversation. Yeah. I actually had a miscarriage too. So I can really, I can relate to a lot of the things that you're experiencing after, and that is after you give them space to fully have their moment, you know, it's, and, and I get it. I, once again, I get it. The desire is to let them know, I get it. I, you are so, you are so hurt in this moment. The intention mm-hmm. is there, but the impact is here's my story. And it's more important. Mm-hmm. Than and I struggle with that too, because once again, I think it's this desire to, to help. However, I think you touched, you were alluding to this. I think a big empathy practice, another maybe precursor is learning how to sit in discomfort. So I know even in my therapy practice, there are stories that I hear that feel wildly uncomfortable or awkward or really upsetting. And I have to breathe as they're talking, like literally have a hand on my belly and be breathing as they're speaking, because I think discomfort and distress tolerance is also another uh, component of empathy as well. So knowing like you can sit in discomfort and actually be okay. So maybe remembering like, I'm okay in discomfort. I'm not going to die. The world's not going to blow up. Like I can breathe through it. Even if what they're sharing is really uncomfortable. Um, Brene Brown always says that discomfort is the way home. So I say that in my head a lot of times during my therapy practice, if things feel activating or uncomfortable for me, but those are just a couple tidbits I was thinking of too, as you're talking. Yeah, I love that. And another thing I thought of is from a more yogic perspective, we empathy is deeply rooted in how I teach yoga classes and a huge um, component of our yoga teacher training. And we don't technically call it like, let's practice empathy, but Mm -hmm. it's indirectly, I think, woven into um, our whole culture and we call it holding sacred space. 
Mm-hmm. And it's this practice of exactly what you just mentioned. And you, you literally physically practice it on your yoga mat, mm-hmm. uh, whether you're in a vinyasa class, uh, whether you're in a yin class and bumping, bumping up against, against edges, or whether you're in a restorative practice or a meditation practice, and you're practicing stillness that feels really uncomfortable and really foreign for your body and for your nervous system. Um, Mm -hmm. But then we also practice it with other people by being able to sit in discomfort with other people when they think differently than us, when they look differently than us, when they talk differently than us. Um, uh, But yeah, like this, this idea of creating sacred space for people, that's what we're talking about when we talk Mm -hmm. about empathy and it's being able to, to me, empathy is being able to receive it's not something, you know, we, I don't know if it's technically considered like, um, what would it be like an action? Is that a verb? A verb is like an action word, I think. (laughs) So like, you know, maybe it's a verb, I don't know, to give empathy. I think it can be, but I also, I also think it means like to receive empathy is to fully Mm -hmm. receive other people. Mm -hmm. And it's more of this in yoga terms, like yin quality of energy. It's a, it's a softer energy. It's a more feminine energy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like that a lot. I think another, not to beat a dead horse, but another component of empathy is curiosity too. Like as I think about, you mentioned something about sitting in conversations with people and having different ideas, et cetera. I mean, I I can't help but wonder what would the world look like with more empathy right now? I think there's so much talking at one another and not a whole hell of a lot of listening. And I'm guilty of this too, but what if we sat across from someone who thought so differently than us and we asked questions, like Mm -hmm. just ask questions And even you might wildly disagree with every question, but then you might understand, okay, well, they grew up in a really rural area. And so this for them makes sense. And it's what they were exposed to, or they grew up in a really white suburban upper-class area with a lot of money. So this is what they were exposed to. Like, okay, they make a little bit more sense to me now. And that's their frame of reference. So I think gosh, just asking people questions as, as opposed to assuming, and it's freaking hard not to do. It's hard not to be self-righteous right now because everything's so polarized, but yeah, Yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. I mean, if like in tying this all together, we kind of wanted to give our, um, opinion on why empathy is important. And that's exactly it. I feel like empathy is important because it's the way forward. Like we all talk about like every single person on every point along this spectrum, um, like talks about a better world, better culture, better policy, uh, politics, better policies, better Mm -hmm. environment. And why is it important? Because I think it is literally the only way forward. And, and obviously if you've listened to 
all the other episodes up to this point, or if you know Mel or I to some extent personally outside of just this podcast sphere, you probably know that like we're fairly liberal. I don't think we're like extremely liberal, but fairly liberal. Um, But I will say, I think it's like, it's become this narrative in society that it's only the left liberals that are capable of empathy Mm -hmm. and that the rights just lack humanity and lack empathy. Mm -hmm. And I think just because I'm guessing more of the people listening to this are probably like on the liberal sphere somewhat, or at least moderate sphere somewhat, but maybe not. And, and it's, we hope all of you are here, you know, from, from all walks of life, but I'm going to call the left side out a little bit and just say, like, I don't think that's true. I think like when we're continuing that narrative, we're lacking empathy from the right's perspective. We're, I, you know, I, I think we have to do away with this narrative altogether and actually practice empathy in order to move forward. And if we want to keep this going of the lefts being snowflakes, empaths, the only ones that care or consider others and the rights, like, it's just not true. It's just not true that that statement in and of itself lacks empathy. It lacks understanding of the other side and it supports only the left's agenda, you know, and and that's why I feel like this is important Um, because there isn't one side that has it all figured out. (laughs) There isn't one side that's right. There isn't one side that's truth. There isn't one religion that's truth and all the others got it wrong. You know, I mean, (laughs) that's why it matters. Yeah, absolutely. Context matters and understanding, like, like we said at the beginning, imagining, pretending, imagining that you are from a different area, have a different set of parents, have been exposed to a different set of life circumstances. Please imagine. Mm -hmm. And then imagine how that might impact your belief system and your Mm -hmm. political, political views, all of that. Like there's space for everyone here. There just is. Mm-hmm. And I think that'll happen with a lot more listening and a lot more curiosity and a lot more openness to people that are just so different. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So this kind of bridges us into now, which is, I think like, you know, what really what we just touched on is this leads us into empowerment. Um, I think Mel said at the very beginning of this podcast that, did you say empathy is the foundation for empowerment because it requires safety and trust? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Something along those lines. I like it. You said it better. I like it. I said that. (laughs) I think you did. I think that's what I said, guys. (laughs) So then you know, the, the flip side of this to us is empowerment, which Mel gave the Miriam Webster's Miriam <laughs> definition of at the beginning. And it's this idea of taking radical ownership of your life and your reality as it is right now, taking mm-hmm. radical inner authority, claiming your own power over yourself and your real life, your life, regardless of any 
outside circumstances, past, present, or future. It's this like radical reclamation of yourself and your life. And I think like what I wanted to touch on at least is that like, we need both of these. If, if all we ever had was empathy and we were just like walking empathusiasts or (laughs) making up new words, like if we only ever had empathy and we were just walking around like, Oh, I just feel for you. Oh my God. I just feel for you. Oh, I feel for that story. Like if we were just only ever like, would you consider that enmeshment Mel? Yeah. Yeah. There definitely be, can be a lot of enmeshment and uh, that can happen. And it's a little bit like, I think true empathy begets empowerment because I think like pitying is really different than empathy and enabling is really different than empathy. Yeah. Um, will but you, yeah, will you define just your definition, yeah. explain what enmeshment is first? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Enmeshment is essentially taking someone's problem on as your own. Mm. So it's actually not holding space for someone else, but making that your problem too. So let's say, your friend shares something they're going through with you. And then you're whacked out about it. You're like, Oh my God, like you have no separation, which is actually Mm -hmm. empathy requires a level of separation um, of healthy detachment so that it keeps a, the focus on the other person and B um, so that you're not drowning. Like we just aren't taking care of one another. If we are enmeshed in each other's crap. So that's, I think enmeshment is taking on someone else's stuff for your own. It happens a lot. I see it in parent child relationships and obviously until your kid's a certain age, it has to happen. But, um, I see it a lot in like high school kids with their parents and parents to have such a hard time letting them fail or mess up or get in trouble because um, they're enmeshed with them. They think it's their problem too. And actually the kindest thing to do, most empathetic thing to do is let your kid struggle. Um, so that's enmeshment. Yeah. I forget. What did you say about enmeshment? There were like two other terms that I was going to ask you to define. Do you remember? Yeah, I know. I mentioned something about pitying, like pitying is different. Pity's like, I'm so sorry. Like, Oh, Oh, I can't. It's like condescending almost. Right. Yeah. And it just lacks. Yeah. It's like, I feel sorry for you as opposed to like, wow. With you. Yeah. As, as opposed to like, I'm with you and I'm imagining what that's like. Mm. It's like, and it, it, yeah, I think the energy of that is more like, oh, you know, and it feels so ick when someone does that, you know, it makes you feel mm-hmm. silly. Like you said, condescended um, to, and it's actually just, I, it's, I think it's just a cheap way of responding to someone too. Cause it's not really hearing you. It's just being like, Oh, I poor you. I feel sorry for you. And I'm like, most people don't want to feel to be felt sorry for most people want you to just be like, Holy shit. That's upsetting. Yeah. You know, people would right. rather hear that than I'm so sorry for you. Or mm-hmm. so that's pity. Um, I would say my own little definition. Yeah. I'm also curious, um, 
do you think that people are struggling with enmeshment politically and even just like in the medical, like COVID sphere, um, like over identifying with all the world's problems and, and they're kind of like confusing it with empathy, but then it's not leading to empowerment or action. It's just leading to drama. Like, do you, what do you, does that make sense? Yeah, I think yes and no. I think it's a beautiful thing to be impacted by the world and to take, especially marginalized communities. I'm like, that's, I I guess my point of view, this is a personal thought, personal belief, potentially. It's my point of view that sometimes taking on things for people who are in lesser power than me societally is important. And so enmeshment in that way, like to, like you said, if it begets action. Um, if I'm just swirling in um, the what the state of the world is going on, then and not really allowing that to propel any action, then it could be enmeshment in a way that's just not helpful. Um, I think, like me personally, I never want to be unimpacted by the things going on, even if they don't personally impact me. Mm-hmm. However, I think it depends like what I do with that. Meaning, I think you can spend days like people in COVID who were grieving for the world or communities that were impacted, like the Black community who had to spend days in bed. I think there's room for that. And then there's room to go for empowerment, which is, all right, what now? What now? Mm-hmm. How can I allow this to propel action and power? How can I use my privilege and things to help? So I think as you kind of describe, it's like that yin and yang energy um, to be like deeply impacted by the world and then also allow it to create action. Um, and it also depends on personal belief system too, mm-hmm. um, which is which is fair. You know, I think there's room for all of that and personality typings as well. I know I'm more impacted by things than some other people because I'm particularly emotional, which is neither better or worse, just is. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really, really beautiful point as we go deeper into this idea of empowerment is that. Um it can look so different for each person. Like activism looks so different for each person. Making an impact looks so different for each person. Um, Yeah, I love that. Um, And like, according to our personality types and our tendencies and our energy fluctuations, we can make an impact in all sorts of different ways, small and large. Yeah, absolutely. And I think avoiding enmeshment is like, I am grieving for you. And I also know that my life situation is a little bit different. So how might I use that to help the people I am grieving for? You know, Mm -hmm. that's maybe less enmeshed and more healthily detached. Mm -hmm. So that you can, if you are seeking empowerment on behalf of someone else so that you can do that. Um, Right. Um. For you, what do you feel like empowerment looks like? Or maybe the fun question could be, what empowers you? When do you feel most empowered, whether it's by someone else, just empowered by yourself? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel, 
I do feel empowered by challenges. Like I love sometimes physical challenges or I love sometimes more mental challenges, but I definitely feel empowered by um, overcoming like struggle. Um, But then even more so than that, um, as I, I, I feel empowered through knowledge too, like the more I know about myself and the more I understand my body, um, the more empowered I feel. So like, for example, I, um, have been like doing some like menstrual cycle awareness charting and, um, like I have a decent understanding of like my energetic fluctuations and energetic seasons, like month to month as each new month comes and passes. And, and I've noticed for me personally, generally, um, during, uh, what I would call like winter, spring, summer, potentially seasons, I feel a little bit more empowered when I have higher energy, when Mm -hmm. I'm around other people, when I'm kind of in full bloom and more Mm -hmm. willing to be social. And so during like my own personal cycle, that might be, uh, towards the end of my menstrual cycle. And then leading up to ovulation is often like a period of time, just month to month in my life that I feel a little bit more empowered and then kind of the few weeks leading up to the next, um, menstrual cycle, which would be like what I would consider my inner autumn. I feel a lot more introverted and less empowered and like questioning all things everywhere, (laughs) wanting to like burn shit to the ground and start over. And so like (laughs) month to month, um, usually the first couple of weeks in my cycle, I feel very empowered. And then the next couple of weeks I feel, um, uh, more shaky. And I know that that can be very, everyone's home base is very different. So it's not like that for, everyone, but I feel empowered by movement and moving my body and guiding others through moving their body and, um, through doing like growth work and, and healing work and traveling. Um, I think those are all like the really big things that, that feel empowering to me personally. And, and as far as like feeling empowered by others, it's, it's honestly any time that like we've already talked about with empathy, anytime people are um, empathetic with me um, and really hold sacred space for me, that's when I feel the most empowered when I'm given uh, the invitation to really show up as my full self and I'm celebrated for that is when mm-hmm. I feel the most empowered by other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Two kind of underlying themes when you were talking that I picked up on, which is cool, is that it'll vary from person to person. So that's actually really cool because maybe it gives our listeners an invitation to maybe journal on what is empowering for me. So you were describing the things that feel empowering for you. And I'm like, yeah, that all sounds like Rachel. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, wait, 
like, it's cool because I don't know, this is so dumb, but I've never thought what's empowering for one person. It wouldn't be empowering, you know, or it could shift. And then for somebody else, and then you all, the other second thing that I was thinking of is you made a good point, which is what's empowering for you shifts based on season, based on what phase of life you're in, whether you're, you know, like your age, your career at that point. So Mm -hmm. um, it ebbs and flows, which I think is really good to know. A, it varies for each person and B, it can change. I think that just gives people maybe more permission to explore it, to re-explore it, to allow it to shift and not feel uh, resistant to that. Absolutely. I mean, I think like giving yourself the permission to like, just using my life and as an example, like it's Mm -hmm. really cool that I feel empowered, like during the first couple of weeks of my cycle when I'm in full bloom. And then what's most empowering to me during the next couple of weeks of my cycle is like rest and return inward and a lot more introverted. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's liberating to allow empowerment to look different in different portions of the month. Exactly. Like what you said in different years, you can have a whole year that feels like an inner autumn. (laughs) Um, So yeah. Tell me about what's empowerment look like for you in your life or feel like for you in your life? Yeah. Yeah. A, a bit similar to you and then a little bit different too. Um, I wrote down as we were preparing for this podcast saying yes, before I'm ready to say yes, like, um, like saying yes, obviously, because my body and everything is like, this is warm. This is good. Not saying yes. when I'm like, I don't know, you know, like there's a little bit of <laughs> There's a little bit of clarity there maybe, but, um, yeah. So saying yes to things that feel big, I think really empowers me because it, I think the word you used resonates challenge. It challenges me. I got to step the hell up, you know, like I started a business and I had no business starting a business. I sat on my deck and Googled how to start a therapy private practice, like every day for an entire summer. And then opened in August for my first client, I didn't know how to work my square app. I was like, here we are. And I pretended I did. And we made it work. And one client had to like, freaking private Venmo me because I couldn't get the app to work. So it's like saying yes um, to things definitely feels empowering for me. And in that same vein, like betting on myself, you know, Um, and obviously that could be a whole podcast on how the hell do you bet on yourself and why. But just being like, yeah, why not me? Um, like Matthew McConaughey in his new book said something and I loved it. And I don't actually operate like this, but I would like to. He said, the world is conspiring to make me happy. I'm like, I love that. You know, so like, why not? Maybe the world's conspiring for shit to go right for me. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of the time, not all the time. So betting on myself, um, I feel empowered by others, mostly through, yes, through empathy and support, but I was thinking like modeling too. Like there are times when I felt very empowered by you or people in our family or Instagram people who aren't sharing wisdom with me, maybe verbally. I just like the way that they live their damn life. 
Mm-hmm. And that is empowering to me. Like a yoga girl is another one. Um, the way she lives her life makes me feel like I could do that too. Um, and that's empowering. So modeling. So I even, that's good to remember in a conversation with someone is it's like less about how you, what you say sometimes and more about how you're showing up and just how you demonstrate that you live and how you handle grief and things like that. That's, that's empowering for other people, whether you say a damn thing or not. Um, that's another thing. And then the last little thing that feels empowering for me as of right now, what comes to mind is when I feel really like myself. So I feel real empowered when I'm like, Oh, I feel like Mel and I probably feel it's different. I feel most like myself in a variety of situations, but one is just like, it sounds so silly, but I wear clothes that make me feel happy. And that I feel like don't look quote unquote good for other people, like not dressing for men, but dressing for me. Like I feel so much like Mel, like I like really laid back clothes. I like colorful shit. Like when I just wear stuff that makes me feel good, I feel empowered. And that obviously goes way deeper than clothes, but that's just an example of when I feel like myself, like I feel like myself when I'm moving my body. So I'm empowered then like, so yeah, when when I feel like myself is typically a point of empowerment too, which is, I guess, worth, worth paying attention to. Mm, yeah. I love that. The idea of empowerment or the definition of empowerment being like feeling at home in your body. Yeah. Like our most self energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause yeah. it's actually harder than, <laughs> you know, we all know that if you're here, you probably know it's harder than we all think to get into that self energy, that home, like I'm home in my body energy because like life is just takes us out of it all day, every yeah. day. And that's fine. And it's good to be out of our shit, but also coming back into it. Yeah. And the or cool thing about empowerment, well, the cool thing about both of these, I feel like is that they're not just like an innate thing that you're born with or not. Like these are both empathy and empowerment are skill sets. They're both skills that can be refined and mastered and then refined again and mastered and refined. It's like going to be a lifelong journey of, of redefining like what this looks like in your life and the people included in your life and, and, um, that we need both. We need the yin and the yang energy. Otherwise we're going to be out of balance. And I also think like, it's going to be a constant balancing act, uh, as a part of that, like refining process too, Because like we've talked about certain months or certain seasons or certain years of your life, like you might need a bit more of the yin empathy Mm -hmm. energy. And then there might be other times where you need more of the yang empowerment energy, but like you can't really, you can't truly have one without the other, I think. Right. Yeah, I know. I think that's, that's what we've kind of like concluded today is that they need one another. They beget one another that 
we can't feel empowered without that foundation. And um, like without empowerment, we're stuck in the yin energy and yin energy, you know, not a lot of stuff gets quote unquote done (laughs) with that yin energy. Like we also need to have people who are betting on themselves, I think a bit too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or at least feeling like themselves. Yeah. Why do you feel like empowerment matters? Oh, man. I think empowerment creates change. And I think, um, and change itself isn't inherently important. It happens whether we are forcing it or not. Um, but I think there's an innate human desire to move the quote unquote ball forward. I think it gives life a lot of meaning and purpose and meaning and purpose are precursors for psychological well-being. So I think empowerment creates psychological well-being, meaning, purpose, positive change that we just naturally desire. Um, so I think that's part of why it's important. I think it allows us empowered people can hold space for other people because they're not looking to get their needs met in every conversation. They can allow someone else's needs to get met in a conversation. Um, yeah, probably so many more things I'm missing. What, what comes up for you when you think about that? It's a good question. I guess I have a a follow-up question too, is, um, how is empowerment incorporated into traditional therapy or like, how does it show up in your work life? Yeah, that's a good one. And a a couple of different ways, really a variety of different ways. It could empowerment could look like me being really straightforward and saying to like challenging someone's thought process or thinking process and saying like, um, like tell me, is that true? Is that a like a an opinion or is that a fact? You know, so it's really it can be like being pretty upfront with someone or being like, uh, I'm not sure that that's accurate or that's pretty black and white. How can we go gray in that? So, um, a part of empowerment can really look like challenging someone to question their thoughts, beliefs, emotions, etc. Um, so it could be kind of giving it to them with a little bit of that yang energy. Um, empowerment might be, uh, a little bit more of the yin, like fluffy, gentle energy by really building them up being like, well, I, here's what I see. Like, here's what I see to be true. You are the type of person who's wildly compassionate and blah, blah, blah. So like really pointing out their strengths and, um, the way it's, it's a reframe basically too, but pointing out their strengths as a way to be like, I see you, you know, and, So that could look like, for lack of a better word in friendships, like hyping people up, but not in a way that's fake, but really noticing someone's strengths and pointing out, here's what I see and here's what I like about you. You know, so that can be really empowering for people. Um, Once again, modeling in therapy. So like appropriate self-disclosure, like, yeah, I've actually had a really tough conversation before and I like biffed it. Or here's how I like, and I biffed it and I circled back, you know, so like sharing with them how you can show up in a vulnerable way. That's really effective. 
um, in an appropriate way when the time calls for it. So like, once again, as I kind of mentioned modeling, but yeah, empowerment. And then also really, I encourage a ton of empowerment through reflection, Mm self-reflection. I provide most every client I see with, I'll ask questions for them to chew on. You know, I'll, I'll say, Hey, if you'd like to journal on this, I'd love you to journal on it, or at least sit with it. If you're not a journaler or write it in your notes app in your phone. Cause I think a lot of empowerment can come from like their, their discovery of Mm -hmm. answers or wisdom or, um, like, oh yeah, I journaled and here's what I came up with. You know, that's, that's probably the most empowering thing. So that's Mm -hmm. a little bit how it looks like in, in my therapy practice, I'm sure I'm missing some things that other therapists or healers could jump in with, but yeah. Oh, I love that. And it's funny because, um, it definitely, uh, I mean, there's this like underlying theme of, um, empowerment being so individualized and so personalized. So like the listeners will notice, like Mel mentioned, like, um, some like really direct, uh, challenging, like, interactions with one person might feel really empowering, but then to another person would feel like defeat. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so it's just like, so helpful to remember that what feels empowering to us may not feel empowering to other people. And that's kind of like where empathy and understanding comes in. (laughs) That's such a good observation. Yeah, absolutely. And it's getting to know people too, which like it's empathy, empowerment, empathy, you know, it's like, you have to have empathy to get to know someone to, I mean, we're not always going to get it right. I'll challenge people and be like, Ooh, they weren't ready for that. And you Mm -hmm. can feel it and then you back Mm -hmm. off, but, or you apologize. Like Mm -hmm. I've said to a client before, I think I pushed you too hard. And I think I was projecting onto you last session. And I have been thinking about that and I'm sorry. And I've said that exact thing or something very similar to someone before. So a, like, yes, it's individualized and, and like, you might get it wrong. You know, Mm -hmm. if you're seeking to empower someone else, you might get it wrong. So maybe a good question too, is like, what does support look like for you right now? Mm -hmm. And people will be like, I need you to listen. Or like, can you hype me up? Or like, mm-hmm. what would you do in this situation? Typically people can answer that. Not always. And sometimes that's okay. But yeah, yeah. it can be a really good habit. I think to, if you're the one seeking support to let somebody know right off yes. the bat, like, I just kind of need someone to vent to and listen to me. Are you available? Or like, I'm looking for advice here. I'm looking to be challenged here. I don't know how I feel about this. Can you tell me what you think? And yeah, and then it can be nice, you know, on the flip side as the listener or someone who's either in a professional position like we are in one way or another, or just in like a friendly, more personal relating, like you can, after the person has shared, you can literally say like, do you want my opinion or advice? Like, yeah, I see you. I hear you. This is like what I'm seeing. How can I support you? What are you looking for? And just like that 
one small sentence on either side of the coin can be like really clarifying for people, very empowering and very validating. hundred percent. I think that changed my marriage was Mm -hmm. we start conversations with, here's what I need from you. Or we, like you said, we'll be like, what are you looking for before we Mm -hmm. even respond to one another? Like, luckily Eric is so bought in with that. It has like changed everything. And we, for the most part, it's not perfect, but for the most part, we feel so supported by one another. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes, exactly. It's beautiful. Cool. Well, we solved the world's problems. Well, fuck. Ask me more stuff. Shit. (laughs) I'm about to hit you guys with the old one too. (laughs) Well, I think this completes season one. If you've made it this far, we'll give you an award. And I don't know what that's going to (laughs) be. Nothing. Season two. That's season two. (laughs) What else do you have? Anything? I don't think so. Yeah. I, I don't think I have anything. It's, this has been just the best. This so much fun. So if you mm-hmm. guys have tuned in and listened to us all throughout season one, we appreciate it more than you could ever know. Um, if you'd like to give us a rating or a review, that would be helpful. But don't hurt me feelings. <laughs> but only nice ones. Nice ones, I'm sensitive. Um, <laughs> but that would be that would be good but other oh maybe you guys send us any topics you could dm us on our instagrams uh any topics that you're like hey i'd love you to cover this that could be really fun to open it yeah up. yeah reach out let's expand the conversations and keep things rolling yeah i like it anything else no, I think empowerment and empathy are the the only way forward, the only way through. That's what we're going to leave you with. Mm-hmm. All right. Goodbye. All right. Bye. Hi, loves. It's Rachel. Thank you so much for listening to an episode of our podcast. It's been such a fun passion project that Mel and I have gotten to do together. And it really means a lot to us that you are here. And I also wanted to let you know that if you're interested in diving deeper with me and also into the practice of yoga, I run a yoga teacher training every year and enrollment will be opening. If you're listening now, I'm recording this in June of 2022. So enrollment will be opening over the next couple of months. So there will be a 2023 yoga teacher training journey. It's a nine month journey into the heart of yoga, but it's also very much a big personal growth journey and empowerment experience. So if that sounds like it's something that's up your alley, let me know. I'm happy to answer questions and look for the gates for 2023 to be opening up soon.